Well, now we turn to today's scripture reading. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series, The House of the Lord. All through this series, we're looking at the many places that God has called home, the places where God was willing to dwell in order to be close to us. And we've been sharing this journey with our friends at the Lake Fenton United Methodist Church. And this morning's message is going to come to us from Pastor Vince Slocum of the Lake Fenton United Methodist Church. Before we hear from Pastor Vince, though, we're going to hear from somebody who used to call Court Street home. This morning, our scripture reading is going to be shared with us by the Reverend Dr. Margie Crawford. Now, Reverend Dr. Margie Crawford is currently serving as the district superintendent of the Midwest District of the United Methodist Church. But before she was a district superintendent, Margie was a, a pastor here at Court Street United Methodist Church from 2005 until 2008. Listen for God's voice as the Reverend Dr. Margie Crawford shares with us these words. I am reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable in God through Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On January 1st, New Year's Day, 2008, I made a resolution for myself. I did something that I thought was, was going to be really great. You see, on January 1st, 2008, I decided once and for all that I was going to quit smoking. I actually did pretty well. I went most of the year without having a cigarette. And, and you know what? I hated it. I hated every last minute of it. I spent most of that year waiting for some magical moment when I was suddenly going to start to feel awesome about this whole situation, right? This magical moment where I was just going to hop up and say, you know what, honey, I'm going to go for a jog. Or, you know what, honey, I'm going to try to play basketball without having one of my lungs collapse. And, and it just never happened, right? It just never happened. And so as the year passed, I became more and more frustrated until finally, sometime around mid-fall, I, I started to cheat a little bit. It started off innocent enough, right? I'd just have a puff of a cigarette here or there with friends or, or have one or two cigarettes at, at a party with friends. But of course, I never took any for, for myself to take home and... 
And of course, at the end of the night, I would always go home and, and go right back to not smoking. And, and I lasted a couple of months like that. I thought, hey, I've, I've struck a nice balance. Maybe this this will work out here. And until I finally hit my breaking point on December 24th, Christmas Eve of all days, 2008, I finally reached the end of my rope. <laughs> that night, I went to a, a Christmas party, the Slocum family Christmas party with my dad and my stepmom, who were both smokers. Now, this was just a little while. This was just under a month after our daughter Emily had been born. And so at this point, I was tired and sleep deprived and stressed out. And, and after sitting at the party for two hours with my dad and stepmom wafting plumes of smoke over in my direction, I finally hit my breaking point. And so I slid over to the counter where they, where one of them had left a pack of cigarettes out. And I, I discreetly reached behind my back and, and took a handful of, of cigarettes out of that pack and stuffed them away into my pocket for later. I told myself that when I got home after Carmen and Emily had gone to bed, then, then I was going to sneak away and, and treat myself to, to a few cigarettes, right? You, you deserve this. Merry, Merry Christmas, Vince, I, I told myself. And so it was that Christmas morning, around 12 o'clock at night, Christmas morning, as my wife Carmen and my daughter Emily were all nestled snug in their beds, I was shivering in the cold, crouched down behind a garbage can in my own driveway, a fully grown adult man, chain-smoking Virginia Slims that he had stolen from his stepmother. <laughs> Now, I've, I've had a few rock bottoms in, in my life, but, but that one really kind of felt like the rock bottomiest. <laughs> now, in today's reading, we, we hear from, from Peter's first epistle, Peter's first letter in the New Testament. And we don't know exactly when Peter's first letter was written, but tradition holds that it was written later in Peter's life at a time which found Peter living out uh, house arrest in, in the city of Rome, awaiting sentencing for crimes against the emperor. Now, this would have been a traumatic time for the early church. You see, we hear in the Gospels, we hear Jesus himself name Peter as the rock upon which the church would be built. In Acts of the Apostles, we see Peter emerge as one of the most powerful, one of the most trusted and beloved leaders of the early church. Even in the letters of Paul, who admittedly was not always the biggest fan of Simon Peter, we still hear how Peter was one of the undisputed pillars 
of the early church. And so for many members of the early church to see this great leader marched off in chains and forced to live a thousand miles away in Rome would have been devastating. And of course, it's against this backdrop that we are meant to read Peter's epistle. Now, at this time, economic and political forces had driven thousands of believers in the early church away from the city of Jerusalem, away from the lands of Galilee and Judea, and into a kind of dispersion throughout the, the lands of the Roman Empire. Now, these were people who were isolated. These were people who were scared and alone, forced to be away from all of the places that they knew, forced to be away from all of the leaders upon which they had come to depend and, and trust. And it's to these people that Peter writes his letter this morning. Now in this morning's reading, he does something remarkable. You see, under the circumstances... It would have been the easiest thing in the world for Peter to simply assure the believers to whom he was writing that all of this, all of the difficulties and persecution that they were facing would simply pass, right? We just need to endure and persevere. We just need to grit our teeth and bear it. But that's not what Peter does. Instead, Peter uses his letter to issue a challenge to them. He says, my friends, remember the gift of Christ's resurrection. Remember the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, which has been given to you. He says, you have been made a most holy priesthood to God, a community most sacred to him. He says, my friends, we were not made to simply endure. Instead, we were made to build he says, don't allow yourselves to descend into bitterness and anger and malice. He says, you are made of stronger stuff than all of that. He says, it does not matter how far apart we are from one another. It does not matter how scattered we become, for we have all been made a living temple to the God Most High. He says, each and every single one of us is a stone in that great temple. And not a stone of brick, not a stone of marble, but a stone of flesh and blood. A stone of heartache and tears, a stone of sweat and toil, of love and compassion. He says, we are all stones in the most magnificent 
temple ever built. He says, do not sell yourselves short, my friend. He says, when you descend into your bitterness and anger, you are in fact robbing one another of the dignity that comes from being living stones in God's great temple. He says, you and your neighbors each deserve better than that. You are each entitled to more. Now, eventually I did manage to quit smoking once and for all, but it was not until nine years later. You see, the mistake that I made all those years ago was that I told myself that my quitting smoking was in fact an act of love, right? Love for my family, and the example that I was setting for them by, by smoking, but also love for myself and, and my own health and, and well-being. But it turns out it was a cheap kind of love. You see, I never really challenged myself to change any of my basic behaviors or attitudes. And so instead of growing into a non-smoker, instead I simply became a smoker who was not smoking. And as anyone can tell you, a smoker who is not smoking is a truly, truly miserable person. <laughs> You see, cheap love is a love that says, I will love you if you will love me back. It's not really so much a gift as it is an exchange of goods and services. However, a love that is rooted in the knowledge that each and every one of us are flesh and blood stones in the living temple to God is a love that says, I love you. And because I love you, I will hold myself to a higher standard in all of my dealings with you. I will treat you with all of the dignity and the respect that should be given to a living stone in God's great temple. It is a love that says, I love myself. And because I love myself, I will challenge myself to live to the fullness that God has made me to be. My friends, as we approach the new year and the time when we all set resolutions for ourselves, this morning, I'd like to offer you a challenge. 
Let go of cheap love. Let go of a love that sells yourself and those around you short. Let go of a love that settles for less than you and they deserve. Instead, embrace the love that comes from being a living stone in God's great temple. Love your neighbor. Love yourself as though you were a temple most sacred to God. You deserve it. So do we. Will you please pray with me this morning? Most gracious and loving God, you have planted your presence within our hearts and within our souls. You have made of us living stones in your great temple. And Lord, for that this morning, we are immeasurably grateful. Lord, as we continue to challenge ourselves to love one another and to love ourselves with a love that challenges us to be our best, a love that challenges us to be all that we deserve and to give all that those around us deserve, we ask that your grace pour out on us, that we may always Love as you would have us love. Amen.